Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 199. I had a chat with Dominic Huey. He is a poet. Uh, he's a novelist as well, and he used to be a rapper. Um, he reckons he's given that up. His, he used to record and write and perform under the name Tourette's. And he put a few albums out, and he says it right at the start of this chat, and he said it several times, he just feels he's a bit old for that now. And uh, But he was always a poet, and he uh, um, has performed a lot as a spoken word artist, uh, connected to and completely separate from the hip-hop game. Uh, he has a, a novel that he put out maybe nearly two years ago now called Iceland, and he has a brand new, I guess his first proper full book of poems because he's done some chat books and some there was a CD that came with a with a book um, I thought we'd be famous is the name of his uh, I'm calling it his debut collection it's a fantastic book um, and I'd never met Dominic I'd, I've followed his work I have enjoyed his writing I enjoyed some of his records a lot and um, still listen to some of them and uh I was really. I think we probably corresponded a year or two ago and thought about doing this podcast and it didn't line up. Anyway, he was in Wellington recently for the Verb Festival and so I caught up with him. My first time meeting him, we had a lovely chat, I thought, and he reads some of his poems. He's got an interesting... Well, he's got many interesting stories. One of the things that's uh, in his work and informs his work is that he's... He's battled with, and I guess continues to battle with, both physical and mental health issues. And he's very candid and frank about that. Um, I love this conversation. I love all of these conversations. I know I always say that, but I really did enjoy this conversation. And I like uh, when you get poets on and getting them to read some of their work. We also talk about, um, I mean, he created a press to put out this book. And the first book that his uh, publishing press released was Hadassah Grace, who I spoke to on the podcast earlier this year. So, um, yeah, we talk a little bit about that too. Uh, my thanks, as always, to Tea Leaf Tea, Yeasty Boys and La Pitti Chocolat. This is episode 199. We're nearly there at the 200 mark. This is me talking with uh, the erstwhile Tourette's, Dominic Huey. Now, we've only just met... But I've been aware of your work for a long time. I was thinking about um, like the whole Breaking Records crew, those compilations, yeah. would be where I would have first heard the name Tourette's, obviously. Um, but you don't really do the rapping thing now. No, no, I'm, I'm too old. Um, when did you know that? When did you make that decision? I got a feeling... So I did this album called Tiger Belly mm. um, with... Round Trip Mars, and it was probably the first time we actually had a budget to do something. Yeah. And I had a, um, Cal Steven produced it. Um, that was what, 2010 or 11 or yeah, something? Yeah, around yeah. that time. And, um, and, and I, I, just, I just felt like I couldn't make anything better than that, and it mm. came out, and no, no one gave a fuck. And so then that was when I sort of decided to write a novel mm. and got accepted in the residency in Iceland, which sort of kicked that off. Um, but I still kept rapping, and then I did a show, um, and someone videotaped it, and I remember just looking at myself and just being like, I look Horrified. like someone's fucking dad, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I was sort of falling out of love with hip-hop because yeah. I just felt like, I don't know, I've been doing it since I was yeah, eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and I was 35 or whatever, yeah. so I was just kind of, it's a long time, and yeah, yeah. I just felt like I wasn't going to get any better than I was, and people weren't really what, into what I was doing, so. Mm, mm. It's funny that kind of realization you can have about something and it's just slowly brewing yeah and when you think about it you're like oh well this is actually this is actually the logical time to pull the pin it's not a snap decision well, it's been brewing but Tom Scott 
yeah. um, from homebrew mm. and and various other things. Um, he was a he always said to me because he was my hype man earlier, mm, mm. and he always said you should do the poetry. That's that's, that's what your you're best thing. at. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of knew he was right, but I just was a bit. It was been a bit stubborn, and you know, I was, yeah. So, but he I actually thanked him recently when the book came out because I was like, yeah, thanks for giving me that push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the poetry has always been there in your life. I mean, you know, rap is a type of poetry anyway, yeah. but writing words down yeah, as poems done, is, has been your thing forever. Yeah, I probably started the rapping when I was about eight and I started poetry when I was about 12, so it's always uh-huh. yeah. a long time. But um, until quite recently, like, being into poetry was, like, for the average person, was like saying you're into fucking mm-hmm. juggling or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just this, or puppeteering. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. just or, weird or thing. Or even sex crimes. Yeah. You know, like, or something. Like, fuck, it depends who you say it to, right? Yeah, it wasn't very popular. Yeah. And um, it's, and it's uh, you know, you, you go into a particular scene and you fight, discover a scene and you realise there's lots of people that like it. But certainly the last few years there's been... Well, I said to someone, I think it was Fergus Barrowman, I said that there's a bit of a poetry boom and he said, I don't like that word because... That suggests there's going to be a bust. Oh, but, but there will be. But there will be, right? Like, of but he he has to say that because he's a publisher. So, yeah. like, that, I understand his viewpoint on it. Yeah. Long long may it continue for him because he's had a good run out of it. Yeah. But there is a bit of a boom happening. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, I remember doing shows. I was doing these shows. Good. My mother says I'm talented. Mm. And I would get all these different poets and rappers and various performers together and do spoken word and stuff and people would, this is like about 10 years ago maybe 12 and people would turn up and be like oh man what's, what's going to happen here oh, is it going to be bongos is people wearing berets like that kind of shit <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean yeah totally and it's a real that, it's a real coming out process yeah. you know like um, and lots of people would come but and enjoy it but it would be yeah, it wouldn't be like now where mm. it's like yeah I mean you look at Lip Crawl like mm, this, mm. that wouldn't have been possible 12 no, years ago no yeah and it, that's right it's like a big component of Lip Crawl because of the nature of the cramming in lots of things and doing brief sessions, poetry is a massive component of it. Yeah. You know, there's obviously there's all sorts of um, performances and celebrations of words, but I feel like poetry is a big hinge. I mean, I'd be surprised if it goes back. I don't think it's going to go yeah. back to that, but you're right. It's never. It's not going to stay where it is now. Well, I think you know, it's there's going to be um, another change in how um, in the publishing of poetry probably mm. you know like the the idea that people that it's viable to release a book and for it to mean something that's going to change i think yeah and i feel like maybe in a weird way the irony is the more people go out and perform it to, and and perhaps on the back of releasing a book that in a weird kind of way that's going to as poets become more obtainable and accessible to perform that might kill the notion of publishing People seem to love books. Like, it's been way easier to sell books than it was... Records. CDs yeah, that's back in totally. The day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just even at the liquor event, like, I, I only bought a backpack full of books and then they just all sold. And I was like, shit, I should have bought Well, why do you think that is? I mean, I, I, I think, like, re- records can kind of look cool or whatever, mm. but CDs never looked cool. So they had no... Desi- yeah. You know, the collection of CDs was never any sort... Whereas books on a shelf will always mean something to people. So there's that. I think people, like connecting with you too especially yeah. when they've seen you perform if you did a good show and they want to yeah. come talk to you and get you to scribble in the book yeah you yeah know. you know they're taking a piece of you away Ooh. with them that actually yeah transfers it means something they can share it with other people if they want to yeah but i mean we fucked up when we published that book because um 
we didn't make enough and we just sold them all. And then we were just like, what the fuck? You know, like... So it's gone. Well, I mean, we've got yeah, more now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we had to, oh, like, yeah, but so like, we hit up the printer and we're like, hey, we need some more. And they're like, well, we don't have any, we don't have the paper right now. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. So it's one of those, I mean, it's like a, um, a happy yeah, disaster, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, well, we'll come back to this, but let's go back. Where did you grow up? Because I, I don't know, I realise, and I purposely didn't want to do too much research into your life. I mean, I've, re- I've read and heard some interviews with you and I've followed your work, but where did you grow up and what was happening for you in your early life? Uh, so I grew up in Greyland in central Auckland. Mm. Um, and yeah, um, I guess it wasn't, I always, it's weird to talk about, but I guess it wasn't a great childhood or I didn't enjoy it particularly. Like I'm dyslexic. And, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely cool things. Like it was, um, like music was really popular, mm-hmm. you know, like my, um, my best friend's dad was in herbs and you know um my other friend's dad like collected fucking he dj'd and so he, mm. that's how i got introduced to hip-hop um and all that kind of stuff so um yeah gone to rapping quite young through yeah my mate's dad he came he came um back from doing a show over in london and mm. he had um run dmc's first album Mm-mm. and so he, he gave us each a cassette of that and um, that just changed my life because at that point i've been kind of listening to like just you know pop music yeah. or whatever I heard that and that was just like this change and so me and my mate Charlie and um, a couple other mates we started a quote unquote rap group yeah and started doing that yeah amazing and what um, I guess what apart from hearing the music and liking it what what when you look back now what what do you think gave you the kind of license to do that at, um, at such a young age I think in retrospect I probably wanted to be a writer even then, even though I didn't, mm. I didn't learn to read till I was like eight or nine, and I still can't spell anything. But I, I guess I wanted to express myself, and that was a way that people I, I knew were doing it, mm. whereas no one I knew was writing books or anything. So it was kind of like, this is a way. And even till quite recently, I think that was, I you know, I mean, I had a manuscript of poetry when I was 22 that I was trying to get published, and no one would touch it. And so I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to make rap records because that's something I can do. So for mm-hmm. a long time, long time it was kind of necessity, and also I, li- I liked it. I mean, I mentor young people now, and I say mm-hmm. like, being a rapper in your twenties is great. You get to travel, and people think you're cool, and give you free shit, and mm-hmm. make a bit of money. So, um, and do you think, even though you, in a sense, you're a published poet in terms of going on to put out rap records, um, do you think it was a really good thing that you didn't get published as a poet in your early twenties? Now, yes and no. Like I think, like I probably wouldn't be the performer I am now but also I feel like there's a lot of negative shit that happened in my life that maybe wouldn't have you know what I mean like um just seeing the way that you know some of these poets get to live and the things that they get invited to and stuff whereas it's like you know hanging in meth houses and fucking you know like Mm -mm. getting unintentionally embroiled in fucking like all sorts of violent disputes between and just all that kind of shit that comes with the territory of being poor and being around all that stuff and I guess it would have been nice to not yeah, yeah. go through some of that. But you but can only live the life that you live and that exactly. and to be put, to be maybe a little bit blunt about it, that's um given you a lifetime of material to work with, right? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's not like it keeps me awake at night or anything. But yeah. I guess when I um started getting you know, when I published a novel and, and, and started getting taken a bit more seriously as a as a poet and started seeing like people being like, oh yes, I went to this 
writing thing in Mexico and then I got to speak at this thing and mm, they mm. paid me this much and I'm like what the fuck like <laughs> I don't even realize there was an option yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it um, is funny the perception of um having a book out too yeah. is something right like I remember my you know I wrote this book about New Zealand music what seven eight seven years ago something like that and I remember my brother saying to me and I think it was a compliment but he, he saw a copy of it and said, well, no matter what anyone says now, you can say you're a published author. And that was his, that was his perception, like yeah. that's reaching a level. And I don't think the work, I'm not embarrassed by that book at all, but I don't think the work in it is any of my best work. You mm. know, I, I think I did better work online and in newspapers that got yeah. screwed up than some of the writing in that book. But for a lot of people, it's like, oh, some gatekeeper allowed you in. Mm. You know, someone beyond yourself decided that this was worthy to sit on a shelf and hopefully be sold and that's still a that's still in people's deep in people's psyche i think well it's way harder to make a rap record than make a book like way harder you know but people mm. don't it just doesn't i mean i like i don't even bother putting any of my musical history in my bio anymore mm -hmm. if I, especially when i'm going for funding because mm -hmm. i don't give a fuck but it's like, then it makes it look like I started making art in 2012, even though I'm 42, you know what I mean? <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, I remember um, applying for this one thing and then they were kind of like, oh, I was saying, because I said, you know, it said like, you'll be um, judged on your literary mm. achievements. And I was like, well, I think these rap records should be put in that because, you know, the amount of... Mm. Um, technique that is and craft that is in there and they were just like nah <laughs> get out of here <laughs> you know well that was did you that I mean that that's probably one of the things about Bob Dylan winning the Nobel Prize that was good right like is that you know maybe maybe they'll give it to Nas or yeah yeah you know uh, whoever yeah but they would never you know whether Bob Dylan deserved it or not and whether people think, oh, that's kind of old and boring, it's still jumping over the fence. Mm. And so it's allowing, you know, the it's it's opening it up for basically people working with words and music yeah. to be considered now. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the... Yeah, easily some of the most exciting writers come from musical backgrounds, you know? Mm, mm. And so um, I mean, you always had this, I guess by virtue of, of rapping under a name rather than your own name that's allowed you to keep now a divide between the two. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you didn't release a rap record under your name. You were no, Tourette's. No. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to get rid of that name years ago, but I, yeah. cause I picked it when I was a kid <laughs> on drugs. And then, um, but, um, you know, I got a tattoo across my chest and it was what my record label signed under and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so I was quite, quite happy to get rid of it. Yeah. But I guess it allowed me to sort of be a character as well, which I think you kind of need for rapping. And that was one another mm. thing that I got sick of is everyone being like, what's the crazy thing he's going to do now? And I was like, I'm the old man. <laughs> I don't want to do that shit anymore, you know? But we were talking about a poetry boom, and I guess the Breaking Records thing happened when there was a hip-hop boom in New Zealand, really, didn't it? Yeah, we sort of happened before that. Yeah, yeah, but um, Discovery... Yeah, yeah, you were already. That's always the way. Like part of a discovery of a thing is there's at least a few names that are actually that have been doing the work when no one was looking for the work. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people, and I actually think that, um, you know, like in the sort of um, common sort of mythos of, um, you know, New Zealand hip hop, mm. there's like you know, Scribe and P Money, anyone mm, talks about those mm. guys, which you know, obviously is valid, mm. but there's also a, a whole lot of other stuff that was happening that allowed them to do that. 
and a lot of people have got forgotten and I've always sort of wanted to maybe write something or do something about that because I think it's a shame, you know. Mm, and, mm. But yeah, there was so Break and Wreck, I guess we set it up like, um, you know, we're kind of quite inspired by Factory Records and, and, you know, we're like both Marxists and stuff, so we wanted to create something that was egalitarian and, mm. and pushing back against that kind of major label kind of bullshit um, with varying degrees of success, you know? Mm, I was going to say, once you had your template and your manifesto, how easy was it to actually um, execute that? It was hard because we what we were trying to do would work now, mm. the social media and stuff, because mm, those mm. gatekeepers, you don't... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't yeah, do totally. anything anymore. Yeah. But back then, and also... You still like, had to apply to be heard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You needed to get NZ and funding. Mm, you needed mm. to go... Foot in the door. Yeah. You couldn't just kick it open, you know chainsaw yourself a new door and also like um you know everyone was always like either verbally or physically confronting people and and, and so we burn a lot of bridges that way and, mm. you know just being young poor people mm-hmm. you know mm. um so yeah i mean I did, it wasn't a financial success but um i think that creatively we did a lot of really awesome stuff and i think we laid the groundwork for what came after with, yeah um Young, gifted, and broke, and and the world. Like even the generation after that, like a lot of young kids, because mm. I think until that point, no one had really done that. Like just been a crew of weirdos. Like we were all from different backgrounds. Mm. Some were religious, and some were criminals, and just when I was writing about wanking and being in love, and do you know what I mean? And, and so everyone was together. And it are was, they separate things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I think um, I'm pretty proud of that. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny talking to you because I, I, I guess because I've just had Matthew Bannister here and was talking to him about his book. But when you mentioned thinking about writing something about that, like, do you know his book Positively George Street? He was in the band Sneaky Feelings, and in the late '90s, he basically wrote this memoir of the, but it's a memoir of the Dunedin sound because he felt like his band had been written out of it. Oh, okay. And so he kind of settled some scores. He um, talked about himself and his band, but he actually did a really great overview and captured the the spirit of the times. Yeah, and I'm kind of hearing from you that that's something that could be in in you. Yeah, I mean around I the hip hop version of that. Yeah, well, because it was really exciting, and mm. there were a lot of there was so many just um, people making really um, unique music. Yeah, um, and you know there was like um, that hip hop NZ um, website where everyone was. Yeah, yeah posting and, and doing and you know putting up their music i mean that's where david dallas and pnc yeah. and all those guys came out of as well so yeah it's it's definitely a lot richer history than um what's sort of currently told mm, mm. so when do you so if you were rapping at eight when and you're writing poems down at about 12 yeah, I gotta, you, I gotta say that they're all shit as well. I don't want to yeah, yeah. No, no, a no, child no. prodigy. Well, this is what is what I'm gonna get to. Like, what when? And I mentioned before, and I, you know, I, I, said, I laughed and said it's, it was a bit like a coming out process, telling people you're into poetry or that you're a poet, and and I mean that with regard to at that time, you know, there's nothing obviously nothing wrong with coming out, and people find it a little bit easier now. It might mm. be harder to come out as a poet now. I don't know, but. Um, you know, when did you when did you come out as a poet? When did you show uh, beyond the fact that you were kind of doing some rapping? Yeah. When did you actually show someone some words you'd written down on a page, or or feel that you were kind of proud of it? Well, probably I, I, the first thing I ever wrote was in the school competition intermediate, and I won the competition. So that was like, oh wow, and like I was like, probably the first time I'd ever been um, given any validation or mm. 
had anyone sort of show any interest in anything I'd done, so that was a real big thing for me. And then after that, everything I wrote was shit for years. Mm. But I just kept on going because I guess that, like, again, I just always felt like it's something I've always wanted to do. And I, I imagine if I went to good schools, I probably made, you know, maybe that would have got picked up on mm. earlier. But um, I don't know. I guess I started. I was always kind of showing people because I'm a show off. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I, yeah. I think I really sort of started calling myself a poet. Maybe um, probably when I was about 22, 23, when I um, I, I started dating someone that had before me she'd dated this actually quite accomplished poet right right and he had written all these amazing poems and I was like oh fuck I want to write some amazing <laughs> so I went and got so just as she started trading down you started yeah. trading up <laughs> yeah so then I remember like being like okay I'm actually going to learn yeah. the names of all these techniques which I was actually using from rapping yes, anyway yes yeah right so like metaphors and symbolism yeah and all that yeah shit. yeah and um and that's when I think I actually started to get some craft you know yeah 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 and and what do you do in terms of I mean this all sounds quite autodidactic what do you do in terms of um, studying any of the poets either from way back or finding contemporaries um, I just stuff people gave me really like mm. my dad is um, he's incredibly well read so he'd sort of put me onto I guess the older yeah. poets and um, yeah friends of mine would just give me stuff and and you'd stumble across bits and pieces. I mean, because this is like sort of, not pre-internet, but pre-internet yes. what it is now. So Yeah, yeah pre-using the internet. Yeah, so. you know, I don't even think I had an email at that point. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I didn't really study until I was 30. Um, I went to university. Because I tried to get in before that, but that was when you had to sign up by hand and mm -hmm. I couldn't, couldn't do it. And yeah, I, yeah. I actually written a poem about this and the guy behind the desk just been like, nah, I don't just think this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You should have, you can't fucking fill your address out. You're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Stumbling at the first hurdle. Yeah, but I'm really glad that I didn't because when I did go there, I was, by that point, I was already performing, getting paid mm. to do it and mm. shit and I'd been published and the teak a lot of the tutors were like, oh, you know, like really kind of quite discouraging. Mm. And I feel like if I'd been a young person, then I might have just given up, you know? What was the, what made you get up and read a poem or perform a poem? Like, yeah, or perform it. There's two, I guess there's two different versions of reading poems. But um, what made you first? I used to do it sometimes in between my rap songs. Mm. But then the first time I actually performed a poetry gig, I was walking home and I saw the sign that said Poetry Slam at four o'clock. So I quickly ran home and... Um, What's a poetry slam? Yeah, <laughs> like that. got some bits of paper with some poems <laughs> on them and went there and I won that. That was probably when I was like 22, 23. Yeah. And I guess that's when I pop. That's the first time I'd ever performed to poets. Yeah. As such, and then. Um, and the the poetry slam. I mean, I don't know the full history of of the slam, but it strikes me that that's kind of the immediate antecedent to the sort of poetry boom that's happening now. Even though they can be quite different, mm. like even though there's a more academic strain of poetry that there's always been that is somewhat removed from the slam contest. Yeah. Does, do you think that's right? Like the oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, like, because even with a lot of what um, those academic parts are doing now is a reaction to yes, yes. You know, they all want to read off the book and sound like they're bored and stuff. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I'm in two minds about slam poetry. Like, I think it was like, I think it's good when you start. Mm -hmm. like, I think it's good to sort of get um, the basic rudiments of performance yeah. and writing. But you definitely don't want to get stuck there. Yeah, my, my cri criticism of it, without being too super involved, I've never entered into a slam and I, I, I've never watched a... Well, I have watched a couple, but I've never followed the sort of local slam scenes, 
is that it's ironically perhaps for what it was trying to do it seems to be a bit of a conveyor belt delivery style like people start mimicking each other yeah, in terms yeah. of their tonal references and that's somewhat ironic given it was there to kind of react to the academic poetry well, especially if you want to win mm. you know anyone because mm. I, mean, I think what most people want to do is win here and then go compete in Australia and the yes, States yeah. and stuff and if in the States like you got to have that delivery if you want to compete yes. and, and I've seen a couple of like it was probably at one of the lit crawls a couple of years ago or one of the writers festivals you know I can't the name escapes me now but some American world champion slam guy was fucking unreal to watch like yeah. especially to watch him just do his own set yeah. that was clearly born from slam yeah but he had then taken it to stages and he didn't read a single note. Yeah. And it was it was utterly impressive. And I might not have reson you know, not every single poem would have resonated with me, but nor should it. It was pretty impressive to watch. Oh yeah, I mean he's yeah. definitely incredible poets. And, yeah. And every community, you know, it's the same with I'm not a big fan of academic poetry, but there are people in that community mm-hmm. like um Tay Tibble and yeah. Lindsay Bird who are yeah. incredible, you know, and like Well they're kinda of walking a line, aren't they? They but that's definitely they're definitely more in that camp yeah, oh absolutely even though they are Ab- obviously performers too yes yes um, there's an irreverence Chris Tees yeah like, oh yeah he's amazing yeah no I agree best dressed poet yes yes um, yeah so but has the words to back it up right like with yeah, all of these yeah. people there's no if there's any sort of gimmick or a hint of a gimmick or irreverence they're still doing the work yeah and like I've, I've learned heaps from from those those poets mm. you know and um yeah, I mean, I feel like with myself, and it's interesting with the guys I'm touring with, Omar Musa mm. and Michael Peterson, because we're all kind of in the middle of that. I mean, me and Omar have done slams and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, read her, I've seen him perform before, yeah. and I've read his stuff, yeah. And where's Michael, I think, is... But none of us are, like, university-educated or anything. Mm. Yeah, like. mm. Mm. So you win the first slam. Yeah. So what does that feel like? Because I, I always think, like, as far as dopamine hits go having someone listen to your words and, and applaud them whatever is pretty big right yeah well I was really surprised because I assumed I had assumed that the poetry audience would not mm. you know because I'm yeah this dyslexic fucking scumbag you know um, <laughs> and there were a few people there that were kind of quite, quite salty but um, yeah like people were really most people were really nice and um, and that's when I really started to, like taking it seriously so it was around that time that I got the book out it was like how do you I was like, cool, like, so you want to write poetry in it. Mm. Really cheesy book, but I was like, this is a metaphor. Mm, this mm. is a simile. And so I was like, okay, I better learn what these things are called. And, and it, yeah, that was when it sort of took off. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you had some some agency for training or whatever. Like Yeah, well, because of... I think if you once you know the name of something, yes. then you can do it yeah. on command. Yes, yeah, than... yeah. That thing that you summoned maybe by fluke, yeah. you realise it's actually a thing. Yeah. And you can write towards it mm. rather than the happy accident. Yeah. Yeah, and then you, yeah, that's, and that's the real beginnings of craft, isn't it? Yeah. Like that the, you know, the overall writing process might not change in terms of the speed that you do it and the number of drafts or whatever, but you're actually writing with an understanding of techniques. Yeah. Well, actually, hip-hop taught me about drafting, because mm-hmm. I, I hooked up with this rapper, Cyphernetic, who, Jared, who we started Breaking Rec together, and he was the first person I met who made multiple drafts. Yeah. 
because before that I was always like just do a couple of drafts and yeah. it was like nah nah you gotta do five or six and so that's when I actually and I think that's when my work actually started getting good because, yeah 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 you know first draft always sucks so, <laughs> <you know. laughs> well how has that and is that where you're at now still like say this new book I thought would be famous mm. are these a lot of um a lot of drafts have gone oh, into yeah, these for sure, lot, yeah. to, these are the finished takes and yeah. the demo versions are piled up somewhere. Yeah, man. Well, my, my um, ex-girlfriend one time, she saw my notes. Mm. And she was like, what the fuck? Is this terrible? And I was like, look at that. You know, like, <laughs> you, can't, you can't see behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my first drafts are just garbage. and Yeah. You know, and I think that um, when I teach writers, I always say, like, give them agency to write yeah. garbage. Because mm, mm. the worst thing you want to do is try and make this perfect first draft. Because then you're not fully expressing You're not going where the poem wants to go you know and often it might go somewhere really cheesy but then once you cut that back there's, cool. there's this thing and maybe it's been around for a long time but I've just heard a lot of people speaking about it in the last few years that and this is for writers of all disciplines I guess just getting up in the morning and writing free for 20 or 30 minutes mm. not being concerned about at all about the form or the content like, yeah. a, like a brain dump like, a, yeah. like an you know cl clearing out the pipes yeah, I sort of do that. Um, I don't do it every day, but I yeah. do that when I'm blocked. I just yeah. Sort of yeah. chuck 10 minutes on the time and just write without any kind of um, direction. Yeah, and not being concerned of what comes from it either. Yeah, and, and uh, literally every time something will happen. You it know? gives an idea or yeah. a, a phrase or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so tell me about how you got it. Well, you actually, first of all, you, you mentioned... Um, not having validation, but you talked about your dad being well read. So, what was your relationship with your parents like around what you do? Um, well, they're, sort of, they're both actually really well read, mm. um, and um, so they would encourage me to read because, like I say, I couldn't read until mm. I was about nine. But they would read to me, and I w they they were told that I'd never be able to read, and I'd say, "No, that's bullshit." And so they encouraged me and helped me with that. And that, I mean, I wouldn't be able to read if it wasn't for them. Mm. Like I was in the fucking special ed class and stuff um, and once I learned to read then they just started giving me like adult novels mm. um, and so they did encourage me but it was like yeah not not in a traditional sense because I think for them I guess like the idea that their son who is struggling to spell his own name is suddenly going to become a writer probably seemed a bit ridiculous <laughs> yeah and yeah. also like that you know like again being into hip-hop back then you know, like there were like maybe two kids in my school who were into hip hop, and so we all hung out together. Like it wasn't like it mm. became mm. a few years later where it was the most popular form of music. Mm, mm, mm. Do you want to read a poem? Yeah, or sure. Do you, like, do you read them from the book or do you recite them um, from just, memory? I just read them. Yeah. Um, do you have one? No, you choose. You right. choose. I might, I might request one a bit later on, but I want to. I'll, I'll read this one, Daytua, because I'm yeah. actually quite stoked with it. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, Daytua. Hello. <laughs> you have to cut out the poison. We knew that much even back then. How old were you when you noticed no one ever talked about the future like an urban legend and who wants to look gullible? Extract the stem, it'll leave you blind. Pluck the petals, boil them in a pot that your parents, flatmates, lovers won't miss. It will resemble sewage and sanity in a juice jug. Drugs is ritual, school is ritual, sex is ritual, heartbreak is ritual. A psychedelic breakdown, this is also a coming of age ritual. 20 flowers is too much, we learnt that the hard way. Scientists jumping from moving cars, sleeping in the middle of the road. I saw God and laughed so hard he looked hurt. 
The TV keeps asking questions. What do you want to be when you get kicked out of school? Thinking of my teacher, a Diet Coke boss, getting paid to waste my life. Reality's getting naked, party and bullshit and harrowing self-reflection and then you blink and you're walking no shoes 6am on you don't belong here street and then you blink and you're having breakfast with your family except no one's wearing their eyes. If only my parents were made of money instead of debts and failed ideologies I could have been a nerd obsessing over the minutiae of our collective dreams not pulling wings off time with my dead friends drilling holes in each other's heads. Remember, you can't fly, in fact you can't even swim, so don't get any ideas and end up in the paper, dickhead dies from drug delusion. The sun rises over Heartbreak City, lying on the grass, on the floor, on the concrete. You watch the night back, the trailer for a film you know is gonna suck, and the future is chasing you down like the Terminator or that wolf in the never-ending story. Yeah, that's a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like you were gonna throw the book down when you closed it. <laughs> so this is not your first book but of poems, but it's kind of your first book of poems proper in a way, isn't it? Yeah, so I did two others. I did one yeah. um, with this artist, James, I forget his last name now. They only made a couple hundred, and mm. I don't know where they are now. And then I did one with this tattooist called Josh Solomon. Yeah. We actually sold heaps of those, um, but it wasn't like distributed or anything. Yeah, yeah, we just sold yeah. them ourselves. Yeah. Um, so this is the first one they actually actually in shops and stuff. That's right. So yeah, this is kind of a next level in terms of yeah. this is like a the graduated poetry book. Now tell me about how this book came together and how you'd written the novel. Yeah. And then how did this book come together and how have you released this? Um so I was I probably started this maybe four years ago. Mm. Like so the oldest poem is probably four years old. Um and I was just writing and, and you know, collect them, and I guess I had the idea that it would be a book eventually, um, but then the novel happened faster than I thought, mm. and then I did my play, um, mm. sort of quite quick after that, so those sort of things kind of took over, but all the time I was sort so of... So this writing. was in the background, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then um, me and my friends, I started shopping this, and just no one wanted to publish it, and all the people that did wanted me to sort of partly fund it, and I was thinking, well, I might as well do it myself mm -hmm. then, and so me and my friend Sam started uh, Dead Bird Books. And La, early in the year, we put out Hadassah Grace's yeah, book. which is a great book. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's cool, and that's sold really well. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we did this one. And we thought that we'd start with Hadassah's, partly because it was really, but also we didn't want it to look like it was like a vanity. A total vanity thing. Yeah. Like, we started a new press, and here's my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I spotted that, but you started a new press. Here's someone's book we believe in, who we think yeah. is great, and mine's coming later. In totally. The year, and that's a lot. Uh, nicer, like a softer cell. Yeah, yeah. and just because and and because when we and you're establishing yourself by your taste as well as your own work. You're saying, yeah. you know, this is someone we believe in. Oh, yeah. I mean, because her work's amazing. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, I had a big chat to her. It was great. Oh, she cool. came around. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was fantastic. Yeah, I hadn't met her, but I had read a couple of her things, and I was really into the book. So I asked her to come around, and I had a great chat with her. It was interesting with that book, though, because I was like, "This is going to be such an easy sell." It's this mm. awesome, talented person, this you know, um, outspoken feminist, and like heaps of the media wouldn't touch it. And I was like, "It's mm. still their attitude." I yeah. think partly because it's self-published, but I think a lot of it because it's sex work. Yes, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, oh, it's funny that uh, you know I did a. Um, a chat, I had a chat with an actor who uh, Simon Leary, who I wanted to talk to anyway because he's fantastic, but he was in a play just recently called Cog, mm. and um, the publicist for the play got in touch with me and said, you know, would you consider talking to 
Simon or someone from the from the play and I said yeah I really want to talk to Simon and and she said is it okay for him to mention the name of the play and it's like it's a, you know <laughs> you can say the word cunt if you want to this is a podcast yeah like, yeah you know you can decide to apply context to it or not you can just whatever and she was like oh that's great because a lot of media won't touch the story because the play is called cock it's and I was weird, like, that's eh? unreal. Like Especially because they're all dying. All the media's dying. Yeah, so even yeah. with this book, we've struggled to really get it yeah. much attention. And it's just kind of like, you know, and I know how many people books people are selling. And mm. I know that this is selling more than a lot. So it's mm. like, the fact that people won't touch it. And it's like, you know, like this will get you readers to your thing. And it's yeah. mutually beneficial. Yeah, yeah. So it's... Yeah, it's no weird, way. isn't it? Well, let's rewind a couple of steps. Because what was it like? I mean, this wouldn't be the first time you'd had rejection, but... What was it like shopping the book and having people say no? Or having people say yes, but? Um, I think the yes, but ones were like, it was cool, I totally understand what they're saying, and mm. you know. But I think the ones that rejected it, they're kind of, especially one, I won't name who it is, mm. but one mm. in particular, it was like, they're really telling on themselves because I saw who else they have chosen to publish, and it's kind of like, you know, some of them are my students and stuff, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> right, okay. So, it's kind of, I don't know, yeah. whatever, like... You know, I mean, we've rejected people on our press yeah, already, and I understand yeah. that sometimes it's just like it's not the right fit. So yeah, yeah. it's all good. Um, yeah, and yeah. It, and it's. Well, I mean, now we get to keep all the money, so it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know? this is um, it's ambitious, isn't it? Because I mean, you're not an unknown quantity at all. But this is a this is on the larger side of a poetry volume, I think. Mm. You know, it's not it's not outrageous. You know, I read all those Bukowski books, and they're like hundreds of pages yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But a poetry volume is is often quite slim. Yeah. And this is a good hundred plus pages. Yeah. And that's um that I wonder if that alone was too much for some publishers. Was there some sort of feedback on I didn't get any feedback but no I No one told you to pull a few out and resubmit. Oh we I mean we definitely cut that down to it was much larger. But I think mm. like a lot of it's just the content and I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the I like the size yeah. of it. You know, I think if a person's got something to say, and 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 particularly if a publisher get the results, but if a person's got something to say and they believe in it, that's really strong. Yeah, and and we did I we did subcontract a editor too. Yeah. So it's not like it yeah. isn't just you just me going, being like oh, I must have this. I'm there. stoked with this. I'm stoked with this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So she so she definitely um like you know was like oh, I don't know about this one, this one, and yeah. we went back and forth on that too, which is yeah. cool. I'm just interested in how yeah, and how you've navigated that process because you know you've come to poetry from a performance base, which is so um, grueling and frightening, but it's also instant hit if yeah. it hits right. Like it's yeah. much different to writing away, <laughs> sending the thing in. Yeah. Um, well, I guess if something works on stage, it generally will work on the page as mm-hmm. well, mm. I've found. Mm. Um, and then there's, there's other ones, like that one day true I just read, like, yeah. that really, doesn't really go down that great live, but it's, I think it's, it works really well on the page as well. Because um, I, I guess because I've been writing away for years as yeah. well, you just learn yeah, yeah, tricks yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Do you have a preference ultimately? Like, do you, are you more proud of work you've done that you can perform and that you get the hit from from people or are you are there pieces where you're like no nah, I'm cool with the fact that that only works on the page oh, yeah, I like looks, both. yeah yeah you yeah know, I mean yeah it feels like that with your work I yeah. look, I read some of them and go yeah I don't imagine this one being read out so much yeah, and, I like, yeah. and I like that you yeah, know like, definitely because, because again that falls into that repetitive style if everything's being written 
purely to perform, yeah, then that becomes a bit samey. Well, that's one thing that I really um, wanted to focus on with this is that you know a lot of poetry books is you read the first two or three poems and then you know what you know the rest what's of the book's going to be yeah, like. Yeah. I really wanted to not have that. Yeah. Um, and sh- and have different tones and styles. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet the autobiography is so nicely threaded through this. Yeah, well, that's, that's the editor, um, Liz, Liz Breslin, mm, from, mm. Um, Queen, who's a really amazing poet in her own right. Mm. From, um, oh, she, that's just outside Wanaka, actually. Mm. But, um, so she did an amazing job putting it all together, because I, w- I would definitely wouldn't have arranged it like that. Like, right. I had my own... You had your own yeah. table of contents. And then she came back, and I was like, oh, that's fucking genius. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so. I feel like it's a real... There's a really nice arc. Yeah, a lot of people have said that, which is yeah. cool, you know, like people have really noticed those kind of nuances. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you decide to do the book, you decide to do it yourself, and you hire an outside editor, you get it looking good, and you don't print enough. Yeah. <laughs> so we made 500 and then... Um, which is a lot. Yeah, yeah I thought it was a lot. That's a good amount, right? And then um, Sam was like, the day after the launch, he rang me up and he was like, we've sold out. And I'm like, <laughs> He's like, no, we like literally have no books, like, mm-hmm. and the printers run out of paper. So I was like, cool, you know. <laughs> and he wanted to make this big announcement and tell everyone. I was like, no, I don't fucking tell people because then I'll stop buying it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been awesome, and it, and it also means that we're putting you know like some of the money back into the business. So the next books we do next year, we can um, like we're looking at maybe getting a publicist, you know. Mm-hmm. And what's the you said you've already rejected some people or whatever? Like how? Yeah, how are people finding you and contacting you and how much stuff have you started to look through or are you commissioning? Um, so we've got we've got two books we're doing next year. Mm. Um, one by uh, Laura Baradell, mm-hmm. who does the Atiorotica Journal. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's written a book um, about six. And then um, Muhammad Hassan, Hussain, um, so fucking terrible names. Um, yeah. He um, he's writing, he's written a poetry book as well and mm. he's incredible mm. um, so I'm really excited about both of those and then there's a couple of other people we're talking to about maybe doing something at the end of the year yeah and are, um, are going to branch off from poetry or is it going to be a poetry press I think we will eventually yeah yeah um, I no, think, no rush to yeah you know because we're still learning and um, I think hopefully by the end of next year we can really cement ourselves as mm-hmm. um, a part of the sort of publishing yeah, industry yeah. you know because I yeah. think at the moment people are still a bit like yeah. Although actually the shops have been really cool. Yeah, like, yeah. I was, I, really was, I was gonna ask, is is it being really supported and picked up by shops or Yeah, because we tried still... to get distribution for it mm. for the for um Hadassah's book and mm. no one none of the distributors would touch it. Mm. And so we we're like, Oh man, what's gonna happen? So I just started emailing all the shops and like I think everyone's taken it. Like I don't I don't think anyone didn't or maybe Whitcalls didn't want to play off whatever who goes at Whitcalls. Mm, mm, mm. So you know, like and I like the unity books in here down here you want have been poetry amazing. From Whitcalls, you buy a birthday card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, like Unity Books down here have been amazing. Yeah, like yeah. University Bookstore in Auckland and Eason both took it. And, mm. and so those, you know, no sno- no real snobbery about it, but those are the places people are going to look. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. what you want to be. No, having. I can't. I can't say enough nice things about Unity Wine. Like, yeah, they've been yeah. so supportive. Yeah. Especially early on when we first emailed them. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. They they understood and jumped on it. They yeah. Knew, they knew what they were buying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you've got and you so you're working on another novel. Yeah, it's pretty much done. Um, I've got. A, I'm just negotiating with an agent at the moment to chop it for me, mm-hmm. so I don't get ripped off. Yeah. And then. Um, Do you mean ripped off again, or <laughs> the way you said that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I was ripped off. I, I think I 
signed a contract that wasn't really good for me yeah. or the publisher and yeah yeah I don't know I don't get into it too much there's been a lot of talk uh, there's constantly a lot of talk about book writing and how and particularly novels how hard it is to make it seem worth it financially on any particular level yeah I mean it depends what you want out of your life and it mm. depends what you're used to because um, so that book the poetry book that we did before mm. this one mm. um, Party Tricks and Boring Secrets we sold over 600 copies and made like 10 grand each or something and I didn't have any money I was on the fucking sickness benefits so me that's a lot of money you know mm. and that mm. allowed me to go to America and tour and go to Europe and do you know what I mean? So yeah, when yeah, people yeah, say yeah. there's no money, it's kind of yes, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like if you're earning fucking 70,000 a year or something, then sure, it's nothing, but... Yeah, I guess that's the thing, is people are trying to equate it with a job job, yeah. and that simply can't be done. Yeah. And because there's a handful of writers in New Zealand living off their writing, and really no more than that, yeah. um, and you get your people like Elizabeth Knox and Alan Duff that have had, in Witty, that have had a massive hit or mm. two that, that's I don't know it becomes a bit like the movie star dream right like that that's the measure yeah and there's a whole load of levels beneath that and it doesn't mean that they're beneath it as writers but it's like we hear that story and go oh well that, that'd be good to be able to do that <laughs> totally but I mean I just feel like I feel um, so privileged that I get to you know, like going on this tour with these two yeah. awesome poets and I get to go do things like lip crawl and, you know, just all this cool stuff that I get to do. I get to teach now, you know, and mm. work with... Um, but you're cutting your own path, though, too. You're not, yeah. you're not having a publisher saying, hey, go and do these talks because we published your book. You're, everything is furthering your own brand. Sure. I mean, I, yeah, and I guess initially I would have quite liked that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, no one wanted to publish my work, so it's like, you know, like... Yeah, and t so tell me about the teaching side of things because I always see your um, ads and notes about doing workshops and things, but you do a bunch of different things with with teaching with words. Yeah, so I do my learn to write good mm. workshops. So there's sort of three different ones. There's the one day one, which is just like a crash course in um, the rudiments of creative writing. Mm. Um, so I guess there's sort of four main sort of tenets, and I try and touch on all of those and do exercises to show what those are and. Um, and really just encourage people, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I do a novel writing one, and um, which is like a six-week-long course, and we again, we just go through. And I sort of, sh and, and within that, I sort of try and show all the different ways that people do it. So I, I did it. Mm. That was actually quite intensive to write because I had to sort of figure out how other people wrote mm, novels, not mm. just myself. Yeah. Um, and I just did one of those, and it was cool. It was really fun. And then I also work with Rangatahi um, through the Atafai which is underneath the Kindness Institute. Um, mm. And, yeah, working with rangatahi who are having um, anxiety or depression. and We use yoga, meditation, and art to, you know, give them some self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So awesome. you had to find those tools yourself before you could use them. Yeah, Or yeah. teach pe other people Definitely. how to use them. Yeah, I had, so, I had terrible anxiety yeah, growing and, up. When, when did you become aware of that? Um, I guess I just thought I was like, um, crazy and then it wasn't really till um, I don't know fuck, I was pretty old I think like maybe 27, 28 um, I had kind of a bit of a breakdown and um, my mate was like you need to go to therapy and you know at the time like it was like the idea of going to therapy it was like isn't that just for crazy people and he's like well you're acting crazy so you should go and um, 
somehow I managed to pay for it. I can't even figure out how I did it because I was on mm. minimum wage. But mm. so I went to that. And how did it? How did it kind of manifest? Because apart from the people suggesting you're crazy or whatever, because we use the word anxiety still. Like we're much better at it, but we yeah. still use the word anxiety. There's that garden variety use of it that's a bit like saying I'm depressed. Sure. And people going, that's not depression. You know, I'm I'm depressed because I couldn't get concert tickets. Yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. You know, and so the people will use the will say, oh, well, that's just my anxiety flaring up. Yeah. And they say it in the way they say, oh, that's my OCD, which yeah, is kind of a slightly wrong. Now I'm not saying people people are bad for doing that. It's just we all kind of have that. Yeah, because lazy rendition. What they're saying is the anxiety, but that's right. But there's an anxiety disorder, which what yes. what I had or yeah. still have a little bit. But yeah. Well, I, I, I like if it was bad, I couldn't talk. Um, I stopped eating, stopped leaving the house, kind of mm. crying all the time. Um, yeah, so it was quite debilitating. Um, and you kind of, I think that I felt like it was this weird thing where I would go and do shows, and, and I was doing quite well at that point. So I'd be, you know, performing to like mm. one, two, three hundred people, and everyone's like, "You're great," and I'm like super confident. And then I would go to my job and just be like the shell of a person. So I was like, I was like had these two weird lives and neither of them were really me you know mm, mm. so sort of somewhere in between those yeah. two things so. yeah yeah and but yeah like I went to therapist for a couple of years and got into meditation and stopped doing as much drugs and shit which helped mm. a lot you know? mm. and so I might be a couple of years out here but you get your mental health as largely in check as you can you understand it at least and you take steps to regulate it and then your physical health deteriorates yeah that was a few years later I yeah. guess that was like when I was like 35 34, yeah. 35 that. so how did that first come into view for you um well I remember because I was like I used to get real sore back but I was working in kitchens so everyone had sore back so I didn't yeah. really think much of it yeah and then um when I went to Iceland I noticed that I couldn't move my neck properly and again I just thought it was to do with that um, but I came back from Iceland and then I was like, then I started losing all this weight and, um, just like, just in constant agony. So I had to, I was living in Melbourne, I had to move back to New Zealand and it took about a year for them to diagnose it and it just kept on getting worse and worse and they were like, oh, you maybe got cancer and all this crazy shit. And then, um, yeah, eventually I got diagnosed of ankylosing spondylitis, which is a autoimmune disease where your bones are kind of fusing together. Um, got on some drugs which helped a lot and sort of... So you had kind of good response to that? Yeah, I mean quick, I've got a pretty, quickly. Good, pretty good quality of life. Yeah. I mean I'm always in pain and stuff but like compared to a lot of people uh, you know a lot, a lot more disabled than me. Yeah, but it's something you're living with and going yeah, to yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Do you want to read that poem about the um, medical centre in Melbourne? Which one's that? Oh, the one about... Um, the TB test. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, what is it? It's near the start, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Here we go. All right. A true story that is also a metaphor for my experience of the health system. The room was like every other room in every other hospital. Alice was visiting from Melbourne. I can't remember what we talked about, but we were both laughing. Apart from drinking shitty coffee, laughing is the best thing to do in hospitals. Eventually, the nurse came in. She was in her mid-40s and had a kind smile. So you want the results for your TB test, she asked, her voice all cigarettes and night shifts. Roll up your right sleeve then. The injection was in my left arm, I said. 
The nurse furrowed her brow and looked at the piece of paper she was holding. See is here, it was in your right. Alice began hopping from one foot to the next with glee. It was definitely in my left, I said, pointing to a gap in my shitty tattoos. The nurse looked from my left arm to my right and then back to a piece of paper. Says here, it was in your right, she repeated. I pulled up the sleeve of my right arm and stared at the mess of ink. What's that? The nurse pointed to a red spot in between the alien smiley face and the crow strangling a rat. I think it's a pimple, the certainty draining from my voice. Well, if it's in your right arm, that mark means you got TB, and if it's in your left, then you don't. The nurse said matter-of-factly, folding up the bit of paper. Should I get the test again? I asked. Oh no, I wouldn't worry about that, hun. She smiled and walked out of the room. I exchanged glances with Alice. I guess we can go, I said, getting out of the chair. I'm confused, do you have TB or not, she said. I shrugged and we headed down the hallway to get more coffee. <laughs> you talked about basically coming home and getting a rich doctor to diagnose you properly. Yeah, yeah, well I went to the doctor, because I, I was living out in my mate's spare room and out west and then I went to the doctor in Greylin in my old home town and um, it was like 70 bucks but then he was like okay I think it could be this thing and um, yeah so <laughs> it was lucky I did that because <laughs> I think I would have just gone on for fucking heaven because I look like a piece of shit they want to give me painkillers and yeah. it was just like it was fast you know yeah, yeah. like I was said to them like, I was like I'm buying morphine illegally like why can't you just give it to me and just you know yeah yeah and writing for a lot of people in a, in a maybe in a cliched sense, but I, I, I feel it's still true, is, is either about exploring pain or it's painful to do. Mm. And then I guess, and, and what does it continue to be like if you're writing and you're in pain? Um, like I say, I feel lucky that I... Um but the thing I love to do, I can do lying in bed. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, you're not digging ditches. You're not, or whatever, you're not yeah. driving a bus with a whole lot of people on board. Well, or you're whatever. Like, I know people that um, were athletes that have got this. And yes. That's, that's it. That's over. You know. That, that you, game you never over. Do that again. So, mm. um, and also the year or, or whatever um, that I spent in bed, I worked on the novel, which yeah. is partly how it got good because. You don't have anything else to do, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's on the second benefit and yeah. lying around in bed. So. I mean, you're working as a, a sort of counsellor of sorts, and I guess a, when I say a counsellor of sorts, that includes teaching people writing that mm. sign up for it. Yeah. Um, how in tuned with uh, do you feel with other people's pain? Oh, it, there's nothing like having a condition like this to, to build your empathy because. Mm. Yeah, you definitely, um, yeah, it's so much, you know, and um, and I think the other thing is, like, from having, you know, quite a shitty childhood, it actually makes you really good at working with people, um, not even just kids, like, even adults, you know, because, I don't know, sometimes you get some people coming along to your class who are kind of disruptive or mm -hmm. whatever, and you can you can see, you know, you're like, oh, you like that because, probably because of this thing, or that, you know, mm -hmm. rather than just being like this person's a fucking dickhead. Um, yeah, and there, I mean, there are some... Diseases and ailments that we absolutely totally earn, but when you're diagnosed with something, I feel like it's a default position to think back at some point and decide, even if it's not possible, yeah. to decide. Oh well, I kind of on some on some level that's understandable. I earned that because of you know almost this irrational thing kicks in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if I hadn't, if I'd have stopped taking that drug then, or yeah, if yeah. I'd have not done that then, did you have? Do you have moments like that? Well, I got scurvy when I was 19 from not looking after myself, so I do wonder if that might have 
contributed to it. Mm. But it's genetic, so mm, mm. I mean, but, but that's what I mean. But we still have this irrational, yeah, yeah. don't we? I think as as a species, I'm I'm sort of speaking for everyone there when I perhaps shouldn't. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't worry about that too much. Like, um, I've been pretty good at sort of just being mm. like, oh, well, this is my life now. And like I say, like it's weird because my life is better now post getting sick and mm. a lot of that might be coincidence or whatever but so it's sort of like you know, <laughs> so you explored this a lot of this the the diagnosis and the beginnings of this in your in the play mm. and that was successful yeah yeah people loved it. it was i didn't know what to expect you know i'd never done anything like that before yeah yeah um so will you i mean you've got so many projects but will you return to that kind of style again? yeah i've got a new play that um sort of Halfway through, I'm working with Joe Randerson from Not oh, yeah, Production. Yeah. She's brilliant. Yeah, um, she is. I feel so lucky because at the first play I worked with Nisha Madden, who's also this incredible mm. um, artist. And then, yeah, so for someone who's just starting, I've been very fortunate in that sense. Mm. Uh, this new one's about um, money and art and class and sort of the classism that exists within the art world. Mm. Um, and my experience of that, um, like trying to sort of use that, I guess, as a way, as a way to sort of tell a wider story mm. you know hopefully other people better relate to it jeez mm, mm. you sound like you've got a pretty busy 2020 kind of but I don't know I mean as an artist it's sort of you know there's artists busy and then there's real yeah, people busy you know? yeah true true but still like there's the... lots of lying around and <laughs> you know <laughs> staring at the wall yeah but you're um, increasingly putting yourself in a space where you're overseeing or responsible for or fostering other people's work as well as your own which I, which I I get instantly is richly rewarding and it's also um, has an impact on your own work right totally well I mean I just try to be the person that I wish I had when mm. I was coming up you, you know didn't have I mean? a mentor no no and yeah. now you're trying to be available to be it for yeah people that need and it. even if it's someone like you know some of the young people um, like the people in their 20s I work with mm. I mean they're some of them are just as good as me but I can mm. maybe be like hey slow down be wary of that yeah yeah yeah, or, yeah yeah slow down know, I wouldn't play I wouldn't play there or whatever the thing is you know just yeah. give them little bits of advice or look out yeah. for them or or even like I'm in a position now where people ask me to book shows so I can get them get, yeah. play gigs and stuff you know well when I said you know uh, whether you looked back with uh, frustration or whatever about not getting that folio published when you were 22 or so you know, yes, the romantic idea is it might have opened doors for you and changed some things, but the flip side of that is you might be brutally, brutally embarrassed by words that, <laughs> that are that are in print oh, forever. For sure, for and sure. And I do think, like, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned here Lindsay Bird and, and Tay Tibble particularly, who are young and have published young and done amazing work, and obviously there's lots of people that publish books in their teens and 20s or or do pieces of work that's incredible mm. um, no, but you I was, know, there I was is something no, about holding off yeah, I was notatable yeah yeah uh, yeah for sure, sure. My, my work was not very good but there was definitely because um, it was funny because um, my mate actually made a cover for it and I went around to his house and right like, you're all set yeah and he was like I've got the old manuscript you want to look at it and we went through it and I was like stands up you know, maybe 40% of it is yeah. like I could take it now and yeah. work it a bit yeah and, yeah put it out and people would like it's it it's a know? pretty good ratio <laughs> yeah I mean there's definitely some of it which I was like oh my god like what yeah, are you yeah. thinking <laughs> yeah no that's a pretty good ratio I reckon there's got to be people that have first albums or first books that they just 
want dead and buried. And yeah. of course, some people do that. You know, there are people. Oh that, yeah. That I mean, some of my old music, I'm like, Ugh, you know. But I guess that's the thing, though. If you are going to be honest, and I think that's what people like about my work is that I'm mm. honest. That's just going to happen because times change, you change. You know, it's never. You don't. You, you've got a lot of wisdom and f- philosophy in your work, but it's not. I told you so, or I'm telling you this. Yeah. It's threaded there, and if anyone's going to be a dickhead in any of your palms, it might be you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I like. Yeah. You know, it might. You might be calling out someone else for being an asshole too, or asshole behaviour. But you're right. If you're not calling yourself out in that poem, you are in the very next one. Yeah. Well, I definitely, I'm definitely a firm believer in that punching up thing. You know, mm. I know that that's there's a lot of. Um, push back against that but I yeah I really think that you know especially people in positions of power mm-hmm. I think it's really important as artists to speak to that and to, to hold them accountable and mm-hmm. you know speaking of pushback you write about real people in your work like lots of uh, friends ex-friends ex-girlfriends do people not just in this book but there is several in this book do people contact you about that do people hit you up not really. Um, in any way? No, nah, people are usually stoked, I think, yeah, you know. <laughs> if anything, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'm or never, unaware. I've never really... I don't think I've never really cruel. No, I don't think so either, but I just um, wondered. Even like, though sometimes you want to be. Yeah. You know, or maybe in the early draft you were. Yeah. Um, I, the only thing really was in the novel, like, people were... Because it was set in Greyland, and it was... It's sort of like... It comes hard to disguise things. <laughs> well, people were like, oh, this character's based on me, or this character's based on such and such. It's like, this character's got a job. Or this person's like fucking, you know, like a talented artist. Or fucking, you know, that's not you. So, um... Because there are real people in the novel, mm. but they're all stoked. They're like, fucking awesome, mm. you know? So, mm. I think it's just, yeah, maybe the odd insecure person. But mm. I think people in general are stoked because, I mean, I'm telling stories... That no one else is probably going to tell them, you know, or, or or even if it's even if you're not actually in there, but it's of the community that you're part of, or, or similar to your community. Mm. Um, and what what are you looking for? I mean, apart from honesty, what are you looking for in a poem when you're writing one? Which is a hard question, perhaps. But what are you? And I, maybe I'll ask this next question alongside it. What are you looking for in a poem by anyone else? that might be different from what you place on yourself? I guess for other people, it's like, um, it's just going to hit you, you know what I mean? Um, and then after that, maybe I'll start examining why and the craft and all that. But it's like, you know, like if if you write something and, it's, and it gives you that feeling or makes you laugh or makes you react in some way, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Like even if it's technically not that great. Mm-hmm. But I guess with my stuff, like I just want it to be... Um, just really solid, like just edit it to it's solid and I, I always say to my students like you should almost feel like you can touch it, it should be that solid, you know, get rid of all the fat, just just have the essence of what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And you haven't, to my knowledge, done anything public with the short story form, is that something that I've got you're some. Gonna, yeah, I imagine you've done that, some. They're not that great. Yeah, I feel like I could, I could Is do that something you're going to work towards, though, do you Potentially, think? Potentially, because you've asked a lot of ideas I have, which... Because a lot of the poems are as, almost, as, almost yeah, stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to. It's just time and money. and mm. Like, if I could get some funding, maybe, it would mm. be cool. I'm I actually thinking, like, I'd really like to go and study um, again, but, like, I don't really want to go back to uni, but I'm sort of... I'm thinking about maybe contacting some writers I like and just being like, 
do you do short courses or would you like to work together in some way? Because I would like to learn some more craft, craft yeah. Especially around short stories, actually, right. in particular. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to work with Tracy Slaughter. Oh, She's yeah. incredible. Man, I just read her... I actually haven't... I've only read a couple of her stories, but I just finished her poetry book. Is it good? Um, last week. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's... Mm, mm, that, I mean, I was going to get to the book of stories anyway, but now I'm going to rush to it because... Oh, so good. This... The poems are incredible. I just got it out from the library and I had to... You know that kind of a... There's two sorts of, I think, for me, there's two sorts of... Well, books in general, but poetry books particularly. There's the one... Hopefully, there's the one that's so good, you just want to read it. You yeah. just want to read it right through, like it's a novel or a short story or a set of stories. Then there's that one that's so good that you're really cautious. You don't actually want to finish it too yeah, soon. You want yeah. to savour it. And it was like, I had to keep reading a couple and then going oh no, I'm going to go and read these again because I don't want to get too far ahead yeah. and then I had to actually like and I always have like most people these days I always have lots of books on the go but I had to kind of shelve it for a couple of days and then I just started flying through it again I had to kind of put the bookmark in it but it was amazing oh, I, might, I, might go, I might go buy it after it's this. totally get it it's really um, yeah I totally want to um, read all her stuff and then work out a way to meet her and have a chat with her because yeah, I yeah. think she's incredible yeah yeah, no, I got a short story book um, when it came out, and it was brilliant. Because mm, that's a couple of years old now, yeah. eh? Like, because is she a teacher in Hamilton or something? Yeah, so a few few people I know have studied under her. Because mm. um, I really don't know anything about her beyond the name coming up, and I think reading a short story online and going, yeah. fuck, she's good. Yeah, well, I hadn't heard of her, and then I went into um, Time Up Books up in Auckland, and I was like, because oh, that's when I was going to write a tonga to write my play. Mm. And I was like, I want, what should I take, you know? And they were like, oh, I think you'll like this. And yeah, it was awesome. They were right. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, who else has kind of uh, popped into your world like that recently? Because we've got so many good... In New Zealand? Yeah. Um, well, in particular, but if it's someone... But I just think in New Zealand, we've got so many people doing very good stuff. Yeah, well, like I said, Tay and yeah. Hera. Um, yeah. Tusiata Avia. Like, yeah. I mean, I've been a fan of hers for years. Um, and now she's my mate, which feels really cool. Well, so I was thinking, you're, well, you're probably also on the bill with a lot of these people, yeah, or at yeah. least in the, you know, like with Lit Crawl in the same uh, place at a similar time. Yeah, yeah. but um, so it's really cool and you sort of get to talk about, be a bit of a nerd, because most of the people that I grew up with, I mean, they're not writers and stuff. Some of them are songwriters and rappers mm, and stuff, mm. but not actually like mm. um, traditional writers. Um, who else is dope? Drawing it blank, probably on too much tremor. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, um, Pip Adam, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who lives like four houses down the oh, street. Oh, really? Did you know that? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. She, she, and and we're kind of mates now too. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She cut my hair actually. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So she, she, she no, she, she lives like four houses down the road. Oh, cool. And it took me about two years to get her to come and have a chat on the podcast. Really? Oh, j not because she didn't want to, j just because of organising things. Yeah, I was just laughing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, well, I'll show you her place when you leave. Yeah. I'll show you where it is. You could just go and cold call her. She's pretty <laughs> busy at the moment, but she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and her enthusiasm and um, understanding and knowledge of what's going on. And, and just how unassuming she is. And yeah. it's like, She's like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll write this thing. And then you read it and it's like, fuck. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, totally. Yeah, and it's not like an act. It's not like a false, a blatant false modesty yeah. thing or anything. It's just a... You know, book, the book I actually really enjoyed, which I didn't think I would, is The Luminaries. Oh, wow. Because I was okay. told that... It was, I haven't read it, but... I was told it was like, oh, it's so dense and it's yeah. so this and that. I really didn't find it. Like, I just... 
You know, I mean, I did probably stuff going on there that I didn't get, um, but yeah, mm. I mean, it's... every now and then, I think it's great. Well, because I can't do it that often, but because uh, I think I've fucked my attention span. But <laughs> it is great to just get a big doorstop and just yeah. lose yourself in it. Yeah. And I haven't been. I haven't even tried with that. But I'm thinking a couple of years ago, the one I did was. Uh, Norman Mailer's The Executioner's Song. Oh, which is, yeah, yeah. You know, 1100 pages or something. Yeah, I read that a long time ago. And I think it's like one of the very best books I've ever read. Well, something's well written, it doesn't like it. That's right. It's, you just, you just you get through it, you know? It depends what you're trying to do. If you're trying to clock a certain number of books and just rip through them, yeah. fine. But if you want to lose, you know, it's a, bit, it's a bit like not wanting to watch a big long movie. But when you give over to a very good one, you think. Don't yeah, give a fuck knows. how long it is. That's yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, and the time just eats itself up. Mm. Yeah, no, I should give that book The Luminaries a go one time. I just I just thought some other writers too. Yeah. Um, is like some younger writers is Vanessa Krofsky. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she was actually at Le Croix. Mm. Um, and Liam Jacobson, mm -hmm. who's a, he's, does my writing courses, but is also just brilliant. Like, mm. he could be teaching his own writing course. And then Ria Masai, Masai, I have a good last name right, um, who she was down for Le Croix too, and she's, really awesome and we mm. do shows together and stuff mm. so your thing you did at Lit Crawl you, 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 the three of you are travelling around or have been travelling around you've done a, a few little shows over the last yeah we've days. just done a couple so far and then we're going to South Island we've got like I think four shows down there and then going back up to Auckland we've got a show there mm. Mm. and what's it, what, what's it been like so far it's and, cool man they're a fucking yeah. funny bunch of dudes like yeah. we, all, we all really get along we're all really different stylistically yeah I was going to say you've probably got from what I gather from knowing the work of two of you, you've got similar but uh, I mean completely different but complementary yeah. styles. Like yeah, because I think everyone's from similarish like working yeah. class backgrounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gone to poetry through just wanting to express themselves, and it, you know. So I think that, um, and everyone's kind of at the top of their game, you know. Mm -hmm. Like so, I think there's that too. Um, so like it's really strong. Like yeah, the two shows we've done, it's like. Because, you know, like, sometimes you do a show and it sucks and that's just how yeah, it is. Yeah, but yeah. the two we've done, it's like, fuck, we're killing this. Does like. that still happen? Oh, yeah. And how do you feel, like, can you, can you on some level enjoy that or at least understand it? Yeah, I don't, I don't beat myself up about it. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. It's, that's just, a, I, you know, like, when, I mean, I think the year before last I did 120 shows and so it's like, some of them are not going to be as good as others. But I think also once you get to a certain point, your bad show is still not that bad yeah 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 it's not great but it's not as but you know what i mean well it's good for them to not feel the same the whole time oh, no. for a start like because you're doing it wrong if everything's just you know if it's a flat line right no everyone's completely different yeah, like, yeah. I, I do a little bit of improv as well so yeah depending what the audience is like that can go mm. in. um i mean I've, I've started reading some poems out at open mic things oh, again cool. after, after years of not doing it. i did it for a bit maybe 20 years ago and yep. I've just got back into doing it a little bit and yeah it's absolutely fascinating how some days you can feel like I go to a couple of the regular sort of monthly things yep. some days you can feel like oh yeah that was, that was shit hot that felt really good and some days you can go fuck why did I get up and do that like yeah, they're just yeah. looking at me like who the fuck are you yep. and what are you on about but I've found that that's actually quite a good feeling to have too because it yeah. makes you question it you know as well it makes you it's good to go well why am I actually doing this it keeps you honest it's a big ask to stand up in front of people and ask them to listen to you yeah well really? that's why I think that like because you know like just some of the I don't know not to keep being on the academic post but I think some of them get up mm -hmm. and then there's they're not entertaining mm. at all and I just feel like I don't know and that's cool like that's their thing and whatever but I just feel like 
people, especially if someone's paid to come see you, like I just feel like you should you should entertain them, like you know, mm. and it's like plus it's fun. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I don't understand that kind of it's a, like a trend to pretend mm, that you're mm. bored of your own work. Well, yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting. I've never been into that too much unless the person is very very good. But even even then, you want. I mean, you know, I can remember going and seeing Honey Tufari read a couple of times, and he was old, and he sat on the chair and he had his books but he would tell you a very and he would read each word and it was very I mean amazing poet for a start you're lucky to see someone like that but he would have funny improv and mm. banter and mm. asides and he would you know if he dropped the book he'd go oh fuck you know and yeah. then pick it up and have a laugh at himself in a moment things like that yeah he, he belched in between but you know like he was human exactly it doesn't have to be this it wasn't an act yeah but it wasn't yeah yeah exactly it doesn't need to be bombastic and it doesn't, no. need, it doesn't need to be the way that i do it but i think that however you do it i just feel like yeah you you have you know and because well it's nice to see a recognizable voice a, a part of someone's personality coming out i think yeah yeah, so I do wonder if, like... Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if, like, you just, like, hey, I'm not a performer, I just perform because I that's part of the job, then mm. fine. But I feel like maybe some people are missing out because that's kind of what's cool now, so that's what mm. they're doing, whereas it's like... You know, it is, it is really fun once you get well, over the hump. It's fascinating because uh, what, how... You know, we all have different tastes and see different things. And, and But last night I went to a, a, a gig... And Tay was actually the opening act, and I missed it, but I've seen her read before, and I think she's fantastic. But a guy came up to me and said, oh, you're lucky you missed the, you're lucky you turn up now. You're lucky you missed the opening act. She was a poet. And I said, oh, poets. And I'd worked out who it was because I'd seen her outside, and I didn't know this until that point. And then I said, oh, well, that, that poets are good. And he was like, yeah, not this one. She just read from her book. And, uh, you know, I, I want poetry to be performed. Yeah. And so that's fine. That's you know, he's judging it on what he wants and he's not wrong based on that. But I just thought, shit, fuck, if you're calling her someone who just reads yeah. for like, man, you know, you you've you've dodged a lot of shitty poetry readings in your time then. Cause, yeah, and oh, she and she does perform, you that's know. That's what like, that's what I mean. I think she's quite um expressive and animated and goes be, and, and funny and yeah. goes beyond the page. Her poetry is just Yeah, well totally. It wouldn't I matter. I can't believe how young she is. It wouldn't matter if she just good. stood there and read it, it's good yeah. shit, you know. Totally. But there's a guy that's just his his thing that he's obviously grown up with and enjoys as as a real performance poet. Well, that's what my mate said to me the other day because I was like, we went to see someone and they sucked and I was just whinging <laughs> about it. And he was like, you know what, I didn't like that either, but um, those other people there liked it. And mm. they're not I mean? wrong. And, you, and, and the thing is that you know he was like, you know, we when we perform and someone hates us, we don't give a fuck. So, but you can't you can't have it both ways. You gotta, yeah. you know, you gotta sort of. You know, and I say, like, yeah, no, you're right, I'm being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine imagine how I felt when I had to be a dick like that for a living for yeah, years, you know, know, because it's like... I don't envy you. Well, it's, no, I'm not looking for that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I recognise that I go to a show and I don't enjoy it and I'm the only one that sometimes that doesn't mm. enjoy it. But that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean anyone's wrong there for liking it, but it also doesn't mean I'm wrong for not liking it yeah. and it's a funny balance to strike because you write the thing and you say why you didn't like it and people feel like their taste is being offended they feel like they're being ridiculed not just the performer perhaps they yeah. think they're being ridiculed 
Well, how how's that been for you receiving that kind of criticism, or or are you one of the lucky ones who's mostly had good reviews? Oh, do you no, think? I've had heaps of bad reviews and people writing me abusive shit on the internet and stuff. But I, I, it's it's always the same kind of people generally. Mm, you can usually see through it, right? Yeah, you know, like people saying, "Ah, oh, you actually grew up." Like people like to tell me that I grew up rich. So yeah, so they kind of they know thing. your story better than you. Yeah, like if I can tell my parents that, and yeah. then um. And then also people, the other one is people thinking that because I'm like that, I, it's that class thing, you know what I mean? Because, cause, you know, like a poor and shit, or I was poor, that like I, I accidentally did everything. So someone mm. did a really bad review of Iceland and were like, just condescended to me the whole time. And then like, I was like, you know, like, fair enough you don't like the novel, but it's like I knew what I was doing in there. Like it was, yeah. I spent a long fucking time on that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So have you, when people write you shitty things, either on a Facebook type forum or whatever, an email, whatever it is, do you respond to them? Or do no. You just, I, do you just blank it and leave them alone now? I just block them because yeah. like, in yeah. the, you know when we're in hip hop and stuff and yeah. uh, it was like everyone was just, you know, fighting over it and oh, I'm, not, I'm not a tough guy or anything but you know, like I definitely confront people. And then I did that over writing one time, and everyone was like, <gasps> and then I was like, oh, it's, that doesn't fly different here. Role, different yeah, it doesn't fly here. And I was like, why are you being such an asshole? And I was like, motherfucker, like, like you're fighting me on the fucking internet. Like, it wasn't like I was going to fight him or anything, but I was like, we can at least talk about this yeah, in yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was real dark on it, so I was yeah. like, oh. So I just blocked them now and fuck them, you know, like, mm. especially because, I mean, I'm lucky, man. People like say such nice things, and, mm. you know, and like, mm. people are like, send me little gifts and handwritten you know like like it's I, I don't take that shit for granted at no. all because you know like it's amazing to be able to connect with people like that it's funny you've kind of given up music and now you're living your rock star life yeah <laughs> I mean you know as I say I'm with hip hop it was there was the other side of that which was but it, it just all felt a lot darker but maybe that was just being younger too mm, you know? mm, mm. um do you want to read another poem and is there anything else you want to talk about or should we wrap it up we've had a good chat but yeah I, I don't know I, I feel like you could read a poem or two of um I might read this one yeah read this one it'll make you vomit but you won't care they said dropping the blue pill into my palm later they became a junkie and me whatever you call this but at the time we were light and heat bouncing off any surface we touched the dread holding my bones together melted, we paraded the streets two inches above the footpath. Victorious idiots, the city shimmering, moonlight and pharmaceutical grade magic. There was a party we weren't invited to, but went anyway, cause Auckland's a handful of boredom at best. We marched dog shit into the beige carpet, stole vodka out the freezer, and I know how it sounds, but we were innocent like soldiers with orders. The party was group exorcism dressed as celebration, someone crying, someone bleeding, someone throwing bottles out the third story window. When the cops came we fell laughing into the tar-stained tar palms of the city. Amongst the violence and flashing lights I vomited on the corner of K Road and Mercury Lane. Don't worry, they said, this is meant to happen. So, I just realised this was a few years ago and you're probably sick of talking about it, but my Facebook bubble that I live in was very much in support of the whole uh, John Key's uh, son, the <laughs> DJ, yeah. uh, which was a non-music video. You did it as a performance, yeah, and it just got recorded and it went online, but it was a viral hit. Yeah, you went crazy. So 
I liked it and the people that I like and that like me liked it, but was there a bunch of shitty young net dickheads that got wound up about it or did they not get to it? The only, nah, not really. I mean, I think there's a little bit, but most... It's like someone was like, oh, have you seen this Reddit thread? And I didn't, I don't go on Reddit, but... Um, I've had that happen to me too. Yeah, and it's it just, just like, oh, shit. <laughs> people being like, this guy sucks, fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, then I went and looked at, like, because that was the first time I even heard of Reddit, really, and I went and looked at everything else on there, and it was just the same. So it's, like, I had, um, I can't remember what it was, but something I'd written, and it was only a few years ago, and someone said to me, dude, there's a Reddit thread about you. And because I was used to all of the stuff comments and the Facebook messages and things, but uh, when I looked on this Reddit thing, and the most, I guess, the most comical and hurtful thing was someone writing under their alias was like, dude, Simon Sweetman sucks. He used to sit next to me in an office and I fucking can't stand him or something like that. And I was just like, for a bit, I just cracked up because I was not in that job. Yeah. But I was just like, okay, so obviously I know who that person is somehow, but I just can't for the life of me think, you know, the fact that I couldn't rule it down from about a yeah, hundred yeah. people was probably most disturbing. It could have been any one of them. Yeah. I had someone, yeah. I had someone say <laughs> under an um, interview I did and they, um, on YouTube and they were like, this guy's full of shit, man. He grew up in a nice house. I know him. I went to school with him. You know? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so they so there was a Reddit thread and it was that was the Oh, it was just people abusing me. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. I don't even know if they were necessarily national supporters. Yeah, yeah. I think it just seems like that's where all the um Yeah. Losers go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just I just sort of thought I wondered if that was the the one where you got some kind of uh argument from the other side of well, the Well, the most one was the um, Richie McCaw. Oh, right, one. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, the people th- yeah, well, that's people- messing with for actual royalty, right? Yeah, like, people, like, threatening me and all that kind of stuff, but no. Why don't nothing, you like rugby? Nothing, yet, nothing <laughs> actually came of it. Well, because someone went and fucking posted it on the Rugby Union Facebook Well, page. this is what happens, right, is it's like, you know, we're not, none of us are are in complete control of what we do if we put if we put a link to something yeah it just disappears and goes somewhere that and that's when the and and good things come from that obviously like i've had a couple of pieces of work that are about musicians that have ended up on forums where people really care about that shit and i've ended up having messages from all around the world going you know thank you for writing about this obscure person and, you know, whatever. Mm. And that's kind of amazing. You're like, how the fuck did that get there? Yeah. It's even like with this book, like we have people yeah. in Serbia have been buying it. Yeah. Someone in um, Brazil bought it. And that should, that should never not be astounding. You know? Yeah, oh, totally. That should never... No. I mean, know, like I say, like... How it, could you get complacent about that exactly, sort of shit going on? You know, that's unreal. I mean, even yeah. like when people come up to me after the gig on Friday and they're mm. like, get me to sign the book. And they'll be like, oh, sorry, sorry. And I'm like, like this is awesome. Like, I don't... Yeah, I love for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like the fact that this means something to you yeah. Like, is... Yeah, I don't think... I, I don't think no matter what kind of success I have, I don't think I could ever not see that. I guess because I'm older, you know? Mm, mm, mm. Well, this has been a really nice chat and a nice yeah, way yeah. to meet. We had... Um, you know, I always think it's quite... There's no reason why we would have met or not met, I guess, but I just sort of feel like I've been following your work for, you know, a, a decade, roughly, I'd say. And it's kind of funny that we... I mean, we don't live in the same city, but I, it's nice that we've finally had a chat. Yeah, for real. I really enjoyed it. Do you want to read one more? Yeah, cool. I'll read this one because it's quite nice. I read it. Good. Um, our talents are superpowers. 
My friend taught herself to fly a party trick that ended up being her reason for leaving her dreams every morning. At first it was just a jump, but soon she could levitate for a few seconds and then a few more. It's all in the stomach muscles, she once told me. Some people go to school to learn they have nets and diagrams about trajectories and wind resistance, but it's, exp but it's expensive and most of the graduates still can't fly. My friend, she taught herself from books and wasted summers. It's not something I ever thought I'd be good at, she said one night as we drank cheap wine on her deck. The first time people see a flyer, they laugh like children. Oh my god, how'd you do that? But then they grow sceptical. I mean, what's its practical application, they ask. She's flying, I yell. They shrug and go back to their phones. And it's true that being able to fly doesn't pay the rent or even for the bus into the city. So she works in a bar, long hours serving gasoline to arsonists. And some nights after the customers all pair off or pass out, the staff sit around stinking of cleaning fluids and stale beer, drinking and sharing the talents they work to support. And for a few heartbeats at 2am, everyone's fears and debts vanish and the room is filled with a low rent magic. Yeah, I love that line about the fears and disappearing at 2am. I was like, that is, that's kind of a, a money shot. My days and dreams, my nights and songs. She told me, Dominic, you're gonna die alone. Watch me look at your life and become a poem. Cause writing isn't living here, baby, I know. I'm wasting a lot of time searching for a rhyme with your name before I die. I'll find one if it kills me. Sitting in your car in the rain, you said you don't have to go. Yeah, I know, but I'll be dragged away. Hands reaching from the grave where I buried my past that I should have explained in a game you never asked. I stepped out of your car into that bleeding night. Stake myself in the chest to prove my feelings cry. Valentine's for vampires, hello baby. Let me suck you dry, call you crazy. Put that stink. 